Imagine an anonymous stalker on the internet who is obsessed with you. He demands you take pictures of yourself, or he will share your secrets with all of your friends and your family. You comply, taking more and more disgusting selfies in an effort to appease this maniac and protect your reputation. But the demands continue to get worse and worse. In what sounds like a ripoff of a Black Mirror episode, Today we are going to cover the real-life tale of Matthew Fowler, a monster who tormented his victims to the point of suicide through internet blackmail. Welcome, welcome, welcome into yet another episode of the award-winning Killin' Missin' Hidden podcast. Well, maybe, maybe not award-winning, but my mom says I sound very handsome. Maybe not today, but in general. This handsome man is your old buddy Brad, here to lead you down another bit of true crime wackiness thanks to my years of doing the same as a criminal defense attorney. Last week, we covered a really horrible serial killer tale. This week, we're going to be discussing a case of a really disturbed individual who is from the UK and enjoyed creating and distributing hurt core videos and photographs. I had never heard of this term before doing this research, and we will certainly get into what that is during the episode. I'll apologize up front for two things. Number one, my voice. I actually haven't been able to speak for the past three days, so to be able to do this, pretty spectacular. Uh... But hopefully it's not too, too annoying for y'all. It's best I could do. I'm not in charge of these things. Uh, number two, this episode may be on the shorter side. Again, due to illness, I wasn't able to research as much as I really probably would have liked to. Um, and, you know, the kids have been sick, so it's just been a mess around my household. I thought this would be a good fill-in episode because it's so crazy even without having to dig as deep as I normally like to. So without further ado, let's jump in. Today we are talking about Matthew Fowler, a man from England who made headlines back in 2017 and 2018. He was a postdoctoral researcher at the University of Birmingham. I mean, well, Birmingham is what we call it in the South. I think the Brits call it Birmingham. He was respected in his field, which was geology or geophysics or some earth science thing like that. He was described by his colleagues as very extroverted, very friendly. He had a great sense of humor. And he was a popu popular lecturer. He was often asked to come speak at other universities, at symposiums, conventions, and other ga gravities, gravities, <laughs> gatherings. And it was due to, he, he was good at his work. He was an excellent researcher. But we aren't here to talk about the seismic imaging of thermohyaline structures in the Atlantic Ocean, I'm afraid. That, that was Matthew's thesis for his PhD, which he received from Cambridge. Um, this dude ends up being so hated and vilified that Cambridge actually stripped him of his degrees after all these allegations were brought to light. I've, I've never heard of that outside of an academic fraud type setting. But th this is just how disgusting the dude was. And he's a weird-looking dude, too. I mean, I don't normally get into such things, but he's just... 
His mugshot is very unique looking. I'm sure you'll see it if you follow us on social media. Um, he's smiling, his eyes look dead, and he has Krusty the Clown hair with a forehead that you could easily build a three or four story resort on. Okay, I'm not, I'm not focusing like I should. I apologize. So let's get on with the real story, all right? So Matthew was 19 when he started his evil activities. That would be in 2007. Like I mentioned, he was really into this hurt core scene. Unfortunately, that's almost exactly what it sounds like. Pornography, that includes a lot of violence. And this guy had a taste for child hurt core, which is like, like I, I, I don't even know what it's like. The worst of the worst, I don't know. You guys know I'm a lawyer, right? And I have a ton of respect for the criminal justice system. And I really believe that people have rights for a reason. And it does help to protect the integrity of our entire government if we honor and respect those rights. But um, this is a situation where I'm kind of inclined to say that he deserved a good whooping before he was even formally charged with anything. You know, I'm all, all for giving the the presumption of innocence and whatnot, but I'm also willing to make an exception here. You know, child pornography is depraved enough, but then you have to find a way to take it up a notch. You know, I just, you, you shouldn't, I guess the most tempered statement I can make is you shouldn't be allowed to walk as a free person in our society when you're that much of a deviant. All right, so again, he started in 2007, and he kind of started off a little bit timidly, all things, you know, in context of everything he did. It was mainly reporting, recording people using the bathroom at either his college dorm or his parents' house or local public restrooms. In August of 2013, six years after doing this, he started to develop a reputation online a little bit, and the FBI got their eyes on him, or at least on In the Garden, which was Matthew's username, when he started posting all of these videos on the dark web. Now, the FBI was able to trace his location to being somewhere in England, so they passed on the information they had collected on Matthew to the National Crime Agency, or the NCA, to simplify, it's the UK's version of the FBI for all my ignorant American listeners like me. The NCA begins to investigate, but there's a much progress made until April of 2015 when the NCA figured out that In the Garden was actually the same person as another profile they had been monitoring by the name of 666Devil and another profile they had been monitoring known as Evil Mind. Now, under the devil screen name, Matthew had gained a lot of internet cred or dark web cred for bringing some of those popular Hurtcore videos to that fandom. Now, fortunately, he didn't really make these videos, at least not directly. Well, okay, that's... I guess that's a little unfair. I, I, let me try to explain. So... Like I said, his, his first acts of deviancy went back to college when he would, quote, jokingly film his buddies using the bathroom in their college dorm. And then he would share those videos to his other dorm mates, and they all thought it was hilarious. It was just for giggles, right? You know, that's what his buddies thought. 
And maybe it started off that way for Matthew. Who knows? But by 2009, he had moved the bulk of his activities to the Internet. Now, he continued to film people in bathrooms. Like I said, it spread to his parents' house, to local restaurants, local gas station rest stops, things like that. But he wouldn't post these videos online. Instead, what he would do is he would try to identify the people in the video and then anonymously share the video with them and say he would post the videos if he didn't receive payment for them. All right, so where we really start to get perverted, and yes, it's just now that we can say in the grand scope of things we're getting perverted, Matthew wouldn't demand money. He would try to force his victims into doing degrading things on film in exchange for his promise not to post the bathroom videos. And he would always start off simple, you know, asking for nudes or something like that. And then he would turn around and post the nudes online instead because he only promised not to post the bathroom videos. As he became more and more comfortable slash aggressive at doing this, he created an alias named Liz, who was an artist in London looking for people to pose for nude or semi-nude um, pencil drawings. She was allegedly an artist, and that was her media of choice. And she would ask these people, hey, look, it's just for me to practice on. You know, it's hard to talk people into showing up at your apartment or flat to do nude drawings. So this is the next best thing I can use to practice. You know, I promise these pictures will live and die with me. They won't go anywhere. And amazingly enough, lots of people would agree to send this absolute stranger who they only knew as Liz compromising pictures of themselves. Once he got these pics, they became his blackmail material, and he would contact his victims on an almost daily basis. Sometimes it would be to ask for more photos or new types of photos. Sometimes it was just to torture his victims by reminding them, hey, I've got these, and I can drop them whenever I want. So sleep tight, you know. As he asked for more and more pictures, he would really start showing what an evil and disgusting person he was. He, he would make his victims send him pictures of themselves naked with a sign pinned to their flesh containing embarrassing admissions or racist statements. Uh, other times he would make his victims take selfies while standing barefoot on thumbtacks or nails. And these were some of the first pictures he posted on Hurtcore sites that really garnered some attention and started to give him some celebrity status. Once he started to make a name for himself, Matthew knew that he had to continue to ramp up the awfulness. Soon victims would have to video themselves. All right, let me, let me pause just here. This, this really isn't for kids. I've tried to bleach as much of this episode as possible but if you're really squeamish or if you've got kids listening, skip ahead about 60 seconds because I'm going to kind of quickly list some of the awful things he had his uh, victims do. All right, so skip ahead now. The victims would be ordered to do things like eat dog food, have sex with random objects, video themselves attacking random people in the streets, drink their own urine, 
lick public toilet seats, eat other people's feces, suck on a used tampon, drink from a used condom, and on at least one occasion, and possibly two, Matthew tried to force a parental victim to have sex with their toddler. Again, remember, Matthew had no intention of posting the original picture videos. It was these videos where he was directing people to do these horrible things that he was after. And his followers loved these videos. And law enforcement actually described him as a VIP member of the dark web hurt course scene. When he was ultimately arrested, law enforcement found 484 images and videos on his electronic devices, you know, between his laptop, his phone, and all that stuff, that featured hurt core images that had been uploaded to the dark web. Now, you know, Matthew's smart. Regardless of anything else we can say about him, he's smart. You know, idiots don't get a PhD from places like Cambridge, and they don't teach at the University of Birmingham um, just because they showed up on the right day. You know, you, you've got to have some smarts. So, because of that, he was very difficult to track. You know, law enforcement was generally aware of Matthew's work, but they didn't know it was Matthew, obviously. Matthew had managed to secure multiple email addresses from Russia, all of which were heavily secured and encrypted. And he was smart enough to rotate through these email addresses almost at a perfect rate to make challenging him or to make tracing him ter terribly impossible. Uh, in fact, he became so infamous in the internet law enforcement community that an international police task force was appointed to try to catch him. And this included detectives from all throughout Europe, the United States, Australia, New Zealand, and Israel. But once these agencies began to work together, they were slowly able to chip away at his anonymity. At one point, over 100 detectives were working on this one case. And finally, in March of 2017, law enforcement reported that a person of interest had finally been located, and he was located in Birmingham, England. Less than 30 days later, Fowler was named as the primary suspect, and then in June, he was finally arrested. When he was met by the police, he asked, what is it I've done, which he quickly amended to, supposed to have done. The officers read him kind of a partial list of what he would be charged with, and he responded by describing it as, quote, like a rap sheet from hell. Police had ultimately put together a case involving more than 50 victims, the youngest being 14, and the prosecution decided to charge Matthew with 188 separate criminal offenses. Now, he decided to plead guilty to all but 51 of them. In other words, that's 137 guilty pleas, just so you don't have to do the math. With these pleas, the prosecution was satisfied that they could punish Matthew enough to make all the efforts of all these different investigative agencies worthwhile. And they decided not to insist on a trial for the other 151 charges. But at sentencing, the trial court 
told the prosecution that they were required to keep those other one, those other 51 cases active in their files in case they ever needed to bring additional charges against Matthew. Now, I feel like to some degree I'm glossing over what this man did. Um, here's some of the evidence the police collected in this case. Again, this is not as gruesome as the the part I asked you to cover your ears on. But uh, Matthew ended up, they learned, had 70 different aliases online that he used to trap victims in various ways. Three of his victims attempted suicide from the abuse and humiliation he was object, subjecting them to. One of them attempted suicide twice. Uh, multiple others threatened to commit suicide to Matthew, which he replied that he had already gotten enough pictures and he would release them all to, re to ruin the victim's reputation after their death. He told many victims, quote, your choice is either complete destruction or being a slave. Multiple victims began engaging in self-harm as a coping mechanism because of Matthew's daily threats. He was particularly cruel to his youngest victim, threatening to mentally F her up and taunting her by saying he didn't care if she lived or died. There was a forum on one of these hurtcore websites where he was popular, and he made a list of 100 things he wanted to see before he died. Kind of a hurt core bucket list. Uh, on this list included the sexual abuse of a paralyzed child, a child being tortured by having his or her bones broken in a slow and deliberate manner, and having a young female used as a living dartboard. He also posted a picture of a little girl that he claimed was his daughter and would solicit dark web users uh, for ideas on what forms of torture he should perform on her. Fortunately, he didn't have a daughter. This was all fictional. One victim was a mother who had sent pictures of her daughter for Matthew, for, to Liz, Matthew's alias, for her to draw. And Matthew, of course, quickly began to exploit both the mother and the daughter once he received those pictures. When Matthew discussed his activities on the dark web, he would make statements such as, quote, glad you are all enjoying her suffering, and, quote, I love blackmail, especially for forcing someone I met online to do things they don't want to for amusement. Of course, his victims have been severely traumatized by their experiences with Matthew. The common theme heard from witnesses was, how can I ever trust a stranger again? You know, they, they were scared of meeting new people. They had spent months or years living in fear of when the next email would arrive from Matthew. In fact, some details talked about, you know, if they were school age or in college, they would literally, you know, not pay attention in class and just obsessively check their email to see if Matthew was making some more wild and horribly deviant commands of them. Um, like I've kind of alluded to, Matthew used this material as currency on the dark web. So he would trade some of his most prized pictures or videos for other hurt core photos so he could build up his own collection. 
multiple detectives who worked on this case described as the worst case they ever worked on in their careers. This includes senior detectives who, you know, they've got 30 plus years of experience and they're pointing at Matthew as the worst person they've ever had to deal with. One victim was lured into Matthew's trap when he offered her 275 pounds in exchange for a topless photo. The victim spoke to Liz for a few weeks before agreeing to the transaction. During this time, the victim kind of opened up and shared parts of her life with Liz slash Matthew, including the bullying that she suffered, how she lived in foster care, now she had a younger disabled brother who just meant the world to her. Well, once the topless photo was received, no money was ever paid out, of course. Matthew just began demanding more and more and more material from this girl, and he would use that information she gave him against her. Um, you know, he told her exactly where she lived. He said that he would email the topless picture to all the girls who were bullying her, and he named them by name. He also threatened to mail the pictures to every address on the street she was living on and the street that her school set upon. When she started to kind of fight back, Matthew kind of ratcheted up the pressure and said, well, you know, I don't know if social services would really take too kindly to someone who was a slut like you taking care of somebody who's disabled. And, um, you know, he had made her take some of these humiliating photos, one of which is her standing there naked holding a sign saying that I have to strip to support my disabled brother. Uh, eventually, this all became too much for this poor girl, and she attempted to kill herself via overdosing. Fortunately, she survived. Matthew's favorite website on the dark web was known as Hurt to the Core. It was a forum where some of the most popular threads were entitled things such as Producing Kitty Porn for Dummies, Youngins Bound, and Matthew's own thread, Need Ideas for Blackmailed Girl. Police and psychologists have expressed shock that someone who regularly waded into the waters of true evil online could come across as such a normal and happy fellow in real life. I mean, he would really charm people at lectures and dinner parties and then go home and try to commit and consume as much evil as possible. Matthew was ultimately sentenced to 32 years in prison and forced to register as a sexual offender. The sentencing judge described Matthew as a warped and sadistic individual with an obvious and ever-increasing appetite for depravity that was based on a need to totally control another person's life. An appeals court reduced the sentence to 25 years, apparently on the basis that the trial court did not give Matthew credit for accepting responsibility for his crimes. Like I said, Cambridge ultimately did strip Matthew of his degrees after he was sentenced. He will be eligible for parole in 2032, so in about 10 years, at the age of 50. Matthew has never once expressed any regret or remorse for his crimes. So just when he thought the world couldn't get any worse, 
just when you thought you'd heard some of the worst tales of killing and other crimes taking place, we find this little gem. I mean, part of me wants to do an episode on the dark web, but when we get into stories like this one that hints at how unfathomably dark and evil certain corners are, I just don't want to research it. I've I've seen enough evil in my life. I don't want to subject myself to more of it than I have to, you know. Those who do attempt to police the city underworld should really, really be congratulated both for their bravery and just for their mental and emotional fortitude. Um, you know, I can't imagine being an officer assigned to Matthew's case or any case where you're patrolling the dark web looking for, you know, child pornography or anything of that sort. You know, what I've relayed here is what they've been willing to release to the public. I, I would bet a lot of money saying there's a whole lot more in Matthew's files than we know about, and that's just been deemed too gruesome to be made public. So, you know, typically I try to analyze criminal cases, but how do you analyze a case like this? You know, like I said, my analysis is he should have gotten a good whooping before he was put in handcuffs. Um, and I really hope that his fellow inmates know what Matthew did and they don't take too kindly to his presence being in the same jail. You know, Matthew's case is also noteworthy because it it's considered one of the first major international operations involving multiple countries all dedicated to catching a dark web-based criminal, at least one where the crimes were taking place 100% online. You know, this wasn't drug cartel activity. This wasn't some form of assassination groups or anything like that. I mean, yes, there were child pornography arrests before this case, but typically you had, they were going after producers and things like that. Again, Matthew's arguably a producer because he's forcing, he's blackmailing people into creating these videos. But it's not the traditional, you know, CD studio where you've got a human trafficking victim being abused. Um, you know, I, I think it's fair to say this was 100% online. And so that's why it gets some notoriety because it was very unique in that aspect. Now, again, you know, like we talked about, Matthew was very smarty and taken lots of precautions, and that's why it took police so long to arrest him. Um, again, he had multiple, multiple, multiple heavily encrypted email accounts based out of Russia. And, you know, anything based in Russia, they're not going to cooperate with anything in the Western, with any police in the Western world about anything. On top of that, he had a ton of security locally that was designed to make sure he couldn't be traced. And his defenses worked very, very well for about three years. You know, I typically have said in my career that only stupid criminals get caught. And Matthew wasn't stupid, but I do think he got a little cocky and lazy when it came to his defenses. And I'm not a computer guy, so I don't know you know, what levels of security he had and, and how cutting edge they were or anything like that. You know, I, when I hear this sort of stuff, I just think of magical uh, electronic shields and tripwires made of ones and zeros. 
because I have the mind of a child. Um, but regardless, Matthew had made a heavy investment, at least at the beginning, into staying safe. And I'm assuming, though it's not explicitly stated anywhere, that he just didn't keep it up. Regarding Matthew's sentence, you know, I'm not an English barrister, so I'm not overly qualified to speak on British law, but I did find it kind of shocking that the appeals court reduced Matthew's sentence, particularly by how much they reduced it. You know, we see in U.S. federal courts, there's sentencing guidelines, which are effectively just a complicated math formula where you plug in a bunch of numbers and it spits out a range of sentence. And part of the, one of the factors that's taken into consideration is whether or not the defendant accepted responsibility for his crime. And that gets you a reduction off your sentence. So I assume the UK has a similar scheme or a similar approach in mind. But a reduction of seven years seems excessive to me. I mean, that's a 22% off sale right there. With these facts, with these facts and how, how, much, how much trauma he caused, how many lives he ruined, why would you be the least bit inclined to give him such a huge discount? I mean, if the law requires it, law requires it, and I get that. But, again, not knowing UK system, the U.S. system the judge has discretion to ignore the guidelines. The only requirement is he or she put in writing why the guidelines were ignored. And I can guarantee you in a case like this, the judge could write a pretty compelling reason why he or she would not give Matthew credit for most anything and would punish him very, very harshly. You know, you wouldn't get this significant reduction just for agreeing to plead guilty. You know, at the end of the day, obviously, what we're dealing with here is just a bully. I mean, this is one massively roided out slice of mega crazy bully. Inhuman would not be an unfair way to describe him. You know, I, I don't even know what would happen if someone stood up to him. Usually, you stand up to a bully, they go away. I don't know what he would have done. I wonder if he really would have followed through on his threats. That would have certainly increased the publicity of his actions. And potentially, again, not knowing anything about computer security, but potentially would help to expose him a little bit more quickly. Um, but... You know, I, I couldn't find any reports of him ever pulling the trigger. Again, it could very well be, and the police just kind of kept on the DL because some of the stuff was horrific. But, uh, you know, it's one of those life lessons, I guess, that we all learn. And sadly, some of these victims have learned the hard way. You know, the best way to beat a bully is just not to be an easy mark. You got to stand up to them. You got to be more trouble than you're worth. So a little lesson for all our middle school listeners out there. Now, you kids, go tell your parents what you're listening to and tell them I said to stop being your friend and actually parent you. You shouldn't be listening to this by yourself. 
Okay, so I'm about ready to wrap this one up. I don't know how much more voice I've got left, but I'm giving it all to you. Now, instead of a regular palate cleanser, I thought we'd mix it up a little. We're going to try a palate riddle for a change. Haha, did not see that one coming, did you? How about that? Check. So here we go. Nice little riddle. I'm tall when I'm young, but short when I'm old. What am I? I'm tall when I'm young, but short when I'm old. What am I? All right, the answer is a candle. <laughs> Genius. By the by, this segment has not been approved by Mr. Eli, so I apologize if I'm overstepping my authority here. I just wanted to try something new. Okay, um, putting a bow on this one. We'll be back next week, maybe with a more thorough story. I mean, this one was pretty thoroughly researched. I mean, just look at the show notes. There's a ton of references there. Seriously. But I feel like I should have put more time into this case. Honestly, don't know how. It just feels like a short one. Um, you know, please... Keep us in your hearts and prayers until the day that we can take over this world. And I mean that in a good way. But until that happens, you know, leave us leave us a rating. Maybe a nice review. My body is weak from the lack of reviews we've gotten recently. I'm slowly dying. I didn't I didn't want to pull on your guilt strings. But a review or two should help boost my immune system. Um, I'm sure you've got friends that would love to hear this episode, right? So Share it with them. Force them to listen. Share it until you puke, all right? But thank you all for joining me this week. We love each and every one of you. Please accept this as a formal invitation to join us again next week. Until then, please don't share any nude photos online. It's just trouble in case you weren't paying attention today, okay? So keep your naughty bits covered up. Don't photograph them. Otherwise... Keep being awesome. Brad out. You survived another episode of Killing Missing Hidden, the podcast about bad things. Join us next time for another true and thrilling story.